Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. My name is Bobby Bell. If you don't know, if you've been here before, you probably know me. Um, and if you don't, you probably don't know me. That's the way that works. So uh, I want to introduce myself. I am one of the elders here, and I will be uh, attempting to bring the Word of God to you this morning. So praise the Lord. Um, I wanted to start off this morning with a little bit of a, a story. And this story involves a young lady who, um, she's, a, she's a throwback, and she always wore a white dress. That's just what she did. She, wherever she went, she went to school, she went to church, she went out uh, to the mall, wherever she went, she was known for wearing this white dress, these white dresses. That's all she would wear was a white dress. And her friends teased her about it, and they long passed that. By the time she became a senior, it's just, it is what it is. That's who she is. But then the seniors, after they uh, graduated, they decided to do a tour of a, and this is, this is back in, in some time gone past, the seniors decided to go on a tour of a coal mine. Well, there's a little predicament there, right? A white dress, what's she going to come out in? Well, she says, I wear white dresses, and I'm going to wear the white dress to the coal mine. And her friend said, you can't wear a white dress to a coal mine. <laughs> you know, that's just ludicrous. And she said, this is what I'm going to do. And they get into an argument and so forth, and uh, she decides she's going to do it. So she gets there, and they decide she's going to get the tour guide to settle the dispute. So she asks the tour guide, sir, can I wear a white dress into the coal mine? And the tour guide said, young lady, you can wear a white dress into the coal mine. Anyone can wear a white dress into a coal mine. But please beware, no one can wear a white dress out of a coal mine. Can't be. Coal will make a dress black. It's just the way it is. But a white dress will never make coal white. That's the way it is. It is going to dirty up. And uh, so it, it, the impurity of the coal get, uh, mixes with the purity of the dress in which one is defiled. It is the dress every time, right? You get that? You get it? Some of you don't get it. Okay, we're going to wake you up. All right, so what we want to look at today is um, our message is titled Purity in an Impure Age. And uh, every age has impurities. Impurity started right from the Garden of Eden when Adam decided in, uh, he was going to listen to Eve. Eve decided she was going to listen to the serpent, and they were going to defy God, and it has been impure ever since. All right? God is pure. We are impure. And, but each age just seems to accelerate, and our culture has really mashed the accelerator to the max, to the floor on impurities. And there are so many things that just bombard us with the impure in our society and in our culture. Uh, things like television is still a thing, guys. It really is. There is still television, and our eyes and our ears are just assaulted, not only on television, but on billboards, on the Internet. Uh, that's a big thing these days. Social media, of course. Um, news feeds, that's one big for me. It's, it's, uh, you can easily be... Um, see impurities in that, impurities in our political discourse from every side, people are arguing, uh, language that we hear every day, dress that we see, the way people dress, and entertainment, and just so many more other things. There is just a bombardment of impurity. You know, we are called to be 
in the world, but not of the world. Jesus prayed that and said, we are in the world, but not of the world. And trying to strike that balance is very, very difficult. We either tend to swing towards not, not being in the world at all. We want to be like monks and harbor ourselves and go far, far away. That's nothing against the monks, but uh, it doesn't work. We, can't, we have to be in the world. We can't be out of the world. But being in the world, then the tug is to be of the world. And finding that balance can only be done through our Lord. So today, we want to look at the words of our Lord Jesus Christ from the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to focus on one verse and one verse only uh, that comes out of there. The Sermon on the Mount begins with eight uh, or nine verses that say, blessed are, or if you prefer the old way, blessed are, okay? Blessed are. And uh, let's read the introduction to this and then go straight to our verse. It says, seeing the crowds... Jesus, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and one of the things he taught was, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I want to look at this verse this morning from three different aspects. First, we want to look at the condition or the heart of humans, the humankind, mankind, what our hearts what are uh, the hearts of our beings, then the uh, being pure in heart, what it means to have purity of heart, and then finally the blessing of seeing God. So first of all, the heart of humans. Um, the heart of humans, humans, uh, beings, people, mankind, uh, of course we have a physical heart that beats, right, you know? Uh, when scripture talks about heart, it can talk about take heart, like, like have courage, stand firm, but in, these, in this context and in a lot of contexts in Scripture, the heart is talking about the very inner depths of mankind, the very deepest part of us where we harbor everything, the secrets and the, and, and the methods and, and, and our motivations and everything that we are is called the heart. So the first aspect of the heart is that the heart is the seat of our spirituality. Again, the Scripture says, blessed are the pure in heart heart, the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, the heart is the seat of our spirituality. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance or with all diligence, for out of it, out of the heart, flow the springs of life. Uh, if you're familiar with the old King James Version, it says the issues of life, and I like that. Out of the heart come the issues of life, the very depths of life. What is in us comes from our heart. So that is where it is. It is the place where, actually, where we follow God. We follow God. Um, our hearts, uh, well, first of all, I, I skipped the point. Let's say, first of all, that's where we follow idols. That's where we follow impurities. That's what we do. Um, we have an example of Solomon. Solomon, um, uh, the scripture says that Solomon's wives turned his heart away from the Lord after other gods. All right? They turned his heart, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord, uh, his God, as was the heart of his father, David. Let that sink in for a moment. His wives turned his heart away from the Lord towards other gods towards idols. It was his heart. It was the depths of him. And David's heart was always, God said David was a man after God's own heart because his heart was turned towards God. 
and Solomon allowed his heart to be turned. And once your heart turns, it's all over. So uh, it, the heart is the place of following idols. Um, uh, the heart is also a place where the defilement rests. Jesus said, what a man eats does not defile him. They were talking uh, about how do, you, how do your disciples eat food without washing their hands? Uh, they'll be defiled. And he said, no, 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 that's not where the defilement comes. Where does the defilement come from? The heart, exactly, the heart. Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And uh, this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, idolatry, false witnesses, and slander. All these things are what defiles a man. This is how we're able to be tempted and drawn away of our own lusts, as, as James says. Uh, no man can be tempted except from what's already in the defiled heart. So in other words, there are things that tempt some people. Some people might be tempted uh, by um, illicit dress or something like that. Okay, a lot of people are. But some other people might be tempted at gambling. Okay, some people might be tempted at drugs or alcohol or something like that. You know, we can be tempted in some areas, but for me, just personally, and this is nothing for me, it's just gambling does not, it, it just doesn't do anything. That particular one is not in my heart. So you can, you can put slot machines all over the place because it's not in my heart, so it's not going to tempt me. But this other person may be, seriously, you know, that's where it is, so it tempts them. Uh, other things can tempt me. Uh, and uh, so what's in our heart is how Satan tempts us and draws us away. What's in the heart? is what defiles a person. But not only is the heart the place where uh, we follow idols, the heart is the place where we follow hard after God. This is how we follow God. We follow God. Back up, if you would, for a moment. Um, well, no, 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 you're good, you're good. Um, we follow God. Uh, Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. It is in our heart that we seek God. First of all, that is how uh, in Romans 10, chapter 9, verse 10, and this is a little sidebar of the gospel, right? Uh, in Romans 10, chapter 9, and verse 10, or chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, he says, it is in the heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and be believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes. With the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. So if you want to know, those of you that are here that may not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the way it's done. Believe in the deep, deepest beings that he is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, and that he and he alone is the one who saves us. Amen? Amen. Amen. He is the one who saves us, but we leave it in our hearts. We don't believe it in our minds. We believe it in the depths of our being, which is in our hearts. Um, it is with our hearts that we love God. Uh, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? Mind, soul, and strength, which means everything you've got. But it originates in the heart, the depths of the heart. So that is a little bit about the heart, about it is the seat of our Spirituality. It is how we either go incorrectly spiritually towards, towards the things of the flesh or we go towards God. We follow after idols. We follow after God. But be aware that the heart 
is a deceitful thing. How many times have you heard people, or maybe you've even said it yourself, how many times have you heard somebody say, I follow my heart and I know my heart. I know my heart. I know my heart. Let me tell you something. God said you don't know your heart. And God said don't follow your heart, okay? Let your heart follow after God, right? Let your heart follow after God. Jeremiah 17, 9 says the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is deceitful above all things. Yuck! That is the deepest part of me. And he said the deepest part of me is deceitful above all other things. No wonder I'm such a mess. Because deep down, I'm a mess. And it's deceiving me. It says the heart is desperately sick. And who can understand it or who can know it? Who can know it? Nobody. And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one can know their heart. Unless you look at scripture and find out, yeah, I know my heart is pretty sick. I know my heart is deceitful and will lead me astray. The next verse, God answers and said, I am God. I know your heart. God is the only one who knows our heart, and he knows that we need our heart purified. So um, he said, uh, in another place, Jesus said, uh, or out of Isaiah, it said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Amen? So the heart is where the seat of our spirituality is. Now we want to move on to the second point. Um, since we looked at the heart, let's talk about being pure in heart. Okay, what is purity of heart or purity in heart? Well, first of all, purity in heart, purity must be in the heart. Let's, let's establish that right now. Purity must be in the heart. You see, there was a group of people called the Pharisees. All right, you've heard of the Pharisees? I actually, you know, I confess publicly, I've been one of the Pharisees. I've been one of them. I, in my heart, I've been one of the Pharisees. I didn't actually join the Pharisaical party because I think they were gone by the time I came along. But my ways have been that way. And how is that? The Pharisees were pure, you know, on the outside, pure in action, if you will. They weren't really pure, but you understand what I mean. They dressed the part on the outside, purity in action. But he said, no, it must be pure in heart. They acted purely, but they were not pure of heart. Jesus said, you hypocrites, you are hypocrites. Bobby, <laughs> people, Pharisees, you are hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of these people, the verse I just quoted, when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Boy, isn't that a, a, an indictment. You who act so well, you who dress the part, who are, become the envy of all, who look so good on the outside, your heart is far from me. It's impure. And when the, and, and when the outside looks good and the inside is impure, it comes out. Why do you think we have so many church leaders who are fallen and who becomes public that they have done wrong? Because they didn't take care of the inside. I had heard it said one time years ago, and I questioned this when it was when I was a new Christian. I heard this, and I since found out, no, this is way wrong. Someone said outward control uh, produces, in, in, I mean, outward restraint produces inner control. <clears throat> wrong answer. Outward control, outward restraint never produces inward control. It never does. Because what, what did I say before? What's in the heart? defiles us. It's rotten. I like that. It's rotten. And it comes out eventually. Just only so long can we keep it hidden. Someone said that this morning. We can keep it hidden, but only for so long. 
That's what the Pharisees tried to do. The secondly, purity plus impurity equal purity plus... Uh, this is an equation. Uh, those of you that like math, how many... Where's my math people? You know I can count high enough. I know enough math to say one, two. <laughs> that's it. That's it. None of you raised your hand. All right, that's good. Well, I got a simple equation. Purity plus impurity equals impurity. Did you get that? Purity plus impurity equals impurity. It doesn't equal half impurity. It doesn't equal purity and impurity. Just like my, the dress in the, immediate, in the uh, opening illustration, once it's defiled, it's defiled, it's done. Once you add impurity, it's done. If you have a, a pure gold and add a little bit of impurity, do you have gold in impurity? You have impure gold, right? Impure gold. You have impure drink. Drop something in your water that you can't see. Is it pure water? No. No. And if you drink it, if it's the wrong stuff, you'll know it's not impure. Uh, so anyway, purity plus impurity equals impurity. Uh, he's, the Galatians were a group of people who had started very, very well. And Paul writes a whole letter, six chapters to them, talking about what happened to you. One of my favorite verses in Galatians is, who bewitched you? What happened to you guys? In, in chapter 5, verse 7, he said, you guys were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? He said, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. This didn't come from God where you get, you know, and they were getting very pharisaical. They were starting to go back to the law. They were going back to the outward restraint. And he said, that is not what does it. Inward control, inner, inner control comes from yielding to the Holy Spirit. And he said, who bewitched you? He said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little impurity leaven, uh, puts full impurity into the product. And he uses the illustration of leaven or, or uh, yeast or whatever. You, when, you, when you put yeast in a, in, in a lump of, of bread, you don't get a piece that, 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 that is puffed up and the rest is flat. You know, it, just, it goes all the way through. Am I right? And I don't cook. I just eat. And uh, that's, I've never eaten a piece of, you know, part bread that goes like this. I, I, think, I, I think it leavens the whole thing, right? Jesus said it and, you know, my wife said it. So <laughs> I take it, you know. All right. But um, so <laughs> if she said it, yeah, I know. Anyway, um, you know about that? You do. You're learning. All right. So anyway, um, purity plus impurity equals impurity. And what is impurity? Impurity is double-mindedness. Impurity is a focus on, part of me is a focus on God, part of me is focus on the world. James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And in the context of asking for wisdom, he said, let him ask in faith. You cannot get wisdom from God by being double-minded because you're unstable. You're tossed about to and fro. And trying to walk down that line, trying to walk down that line, it, you'll never get there. Um, you said... Uh, uh, you, 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 you are either pure or impure. And I keep changing the side. You're either pure or impure. Which, which one of you guys want to be the pure side and which one wants to be the... Oh, boy, I shouldn't ask that. Okay, and, and, and this, this is my double-minded side. <laughs> You're trying to be either... <laughs> yeah, but you can't. You cannot be. That's what impurity is all about, trying to be part in the world and of the world. It doesn't work. James, so that's what James said. Now, purity does come from a single focus. Purity and heart, it, purity, first of all, must be in the heart. 
But secondly, now, it comes from a single-minded focus, a single focus. James, in chapter 4, verse 8 says, draw near to God. There's a piece of it in the middle there. I'm going to come back to that full quote in a little bit. But it says, in in verse 8, you'll see in the center of that, it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's a clue right there. How, what is impurity? Double-mindedness. You double-minded need to be cleansed. And your heart is cleansed by drawing near to God. And when you draw near to God, that is releasing the impurities. He does it, not us. All right? And we'll get to that in a moment. But it comes from a single focus. Double-mindedness is impurity. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. You double-minded. Be of a single mind. And that single mind is following God. Jesus said, hey, you know, I'd rather you be hot or cold. You know, be one focus. Either be uh, here or be there. Don't try to be on both sides. I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, purity comes from, purity comes from a single focus, and purity comes from God through humility. That verse that you see behind me here, uh, it says, but he gives more grace. That is God. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's how, that's how we get it. We get it through grace. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This is a point of becoming pure. He says, gives more grace, opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Again, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. There it is, people. There we are. There it is. It is through humility. He said, be wretched, weep, mourn, moan. He said, over your the, the state of your heart, weep over it. It is horrible. It is deceitful. It is desperately sick, desperately wicked. Mourn over that and come to him in humility. Come to him in humility. And he will purify your heart. He will clean it up. We have no ability whatsoever to clean our own hearts. We must come to him through humility. It is the only way. And God gives grace. Grace is the unmerited favor, and he only gives it, as it says, to the humble. That's how it comes. Amen? You still with me? All right. So we see that uh, we have the heart. The heart is the seat of spirituality, and it must be pure. Jesus said it must be pure uh, for us to see God. And so now we're going to turn to the third point that says seeing God is the blessing. The blessing is seeing God. This is a promise from God. Seeing God is a blessing from God. Again, it says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Okay? So he starts with the word blessed. Who's blessed? The pure in heart. And what is the blessing? The blessing is seeing God. What a blessing. What a blessing. How many of you want to see God? Amen. Amen. So do I. We want to see God. First of all, seeing God, the blessing of seeing God is a promise. It is a promise. It is a promise from our Lord Jesus Christ, and he is the the ultimate promise keeper. 
He never makes a mistake and he never says anything that's not true. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It is guaranteed because Jesus said it and the promise. Now, let me explain. The promise is to believers only. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. And without drawing near to God, without coming to God in humility, there is no way to have a pure heart, which means there is no way to see God. We must, as I said before, uh, in our hearts believe that Jesus Christ uh, was uh, God raised him from the dead, that he is Lord and Savior. He is the only way to the Father. We must believe that with our hearts and confess it, and we will be saved. That is the only way to see God is through humility. We get saved through humility, and we continue to draw near and be sanctified through humility. All right? So, um, the, excuse me, they're the only ones that can have it. Now, as having said that, the blessing is from God. We are blessed. What does it mean to be blessed? Well, um, it actually means that we, uh, to be blessed by God is to receive God's spiritual riches. Let that sink in, spiritual riches. There's a, there's a, a teaching out there today that we're going to get all these physical blessings, okay? All these physical riches. That's not what he's talking about there, all right? He's talking about spiritual Riches. He says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. How many is every? All. Right. Every spiritual blessing. Do we understand that God blessed us with every spiritual blessing? Now, the neat thing about that is he didn't say who will bless us with every spiritual blessing. He said who has blessed us. In other words, we already have it. We already have every spiritual blessing as we yield to Christ. We will see it later as it really is. We will experience it in full as it really will be. But he said he has blessed us already in, in, with full spiritual riches in Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Do you get that? Do you want that? How many of you want that? I do too. And you already have it. You already have it. But what's the key? Once again, seeing God. Purity in heart. Being pure of heart. That is drawing near to God. Drawing near to God. And by the way, confessing our sin to God. We'll talk about that at the end here. But confessing our sin to God. Confessing we're in a state of deceitful heart, desperately wicked heart. All right? So the blessing means to receive spiritual blessings, uh, every spiritual blessing. It also means to be spiritually happy and fulfilled. Spiritually happy and fulfilled. Spiritually fulfilled. Amen? Yes, yes, I want to hear that. He said in Psalm 1, and we just went through his teaching, Brett took us through, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of, the, sits in the seat of scoffers, but... His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates both day and night. Now, meditating day and night, there's how many times of the day? Day, night, and what's the third time? Oh, so that means who meditates all the time, right? He's constantly, he or she is constantly meditating, and here's the blessing. Here is the spiritual happiness, the spiritual fulfillment. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in season 
and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In every way, in everything, we have full blessing from God. We're like a tree. We are, we are fed by, by water. We are fed, we are watered, we are fruitful, we are abundant. And all the blessings of God that we receive are poured out upon the world. Are poured out about the fruit that, 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 that God has can be plucked from us. Not that it's our fruit. It is the sap of the Holy Spirit coming through us. And the fruit of the Spirit grows on us. We have every spiritual blessing, which means we are spiritually happy and fulfilled. All right? Now, um, there are, let me, let, me just, let me just caution, or, or let me just say, it's not a caution, but there are some physical blessings as well. All right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. There are blessings that are spirit physical, but those blessings that are physical, uh, first of all, a lot of believers and unbelievers, believers and unbelievers both receive a lot of God's blessings. They just don't acknowledge it the same. They don't acknowledge it at all. Some unbelievers don't. But the actual, he says he causes the sun to shine on the good and the wicked. And he causes the rain to fall on the good and the wicked or the good and the evil. He causes this to happen. We get the blessings of the sun and the rain because they're both a blessing and, you know, <laughs> too much of each one. But we get the full blessing and that is a symbolism of we get all of God's blessings. It's just the unbelievers can't relate to where it came from or they refuse to acknowledge where it came from. All right? But there are. Now, but... Uh, we do, um, he does give us the desires of our heart, though. God does give us the desires of our heart, and that's some of the blessings that we get. This is some of the blessings we get. We get the blessing of delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of our heart. Okay? So, with that, that is the, the basis of what blessing is. It's receiving all of God's uh, spiritual riches through spiritual happiness and fulfillment. All right? And one of those major blessings is seeing God. Seeing God, perceiving God, hearing God, following God, understanding, discerning God's word. All of that comes through this promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So purity of heart allows us to see God. It allows us to see God. So what is a blessing? It is a spiritual rich, riches. And spiritual riches are seeing and perceiving God. Do we realize that we have the ability to see the creator, the one who spoke all of creation into existence? I mean, that, took, that didn't even take effort. He's God. No effort. Everything you see and everything you can't see that is so vast beyond the ability to see through telescopes. And yet everything that is beyond our ability to even see in microscopes, everything so small you can't see it, everything so big and far you can't see it, God, with no effort at all, spoken into existence. That same God we can perceive and believe and, 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 and see him through purity of heart. Um, and some examples, some quick examples. Moses said that uh, the people had to see in the cloud they had to see in, in fire, a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud is the only way they could talk to God. But God spoke to Moses as, as a friend, face to face. We also have example from David. Um, in 2 Chronicles 3.1, it says David, uh, God, uh, met David on the hill where Solomon ended up building the temple. 
we have in the New Testament Peter. Peter um, was escaped. Uh, God sent him an angel. An angel. You know, how cool is that? He's in prison? <laughs> how cool is that, man? You're in prison and all of a sudden uh, the angel says, come on, come, on, come this way. You know, James, we've been down to prison, right? Um, brother, we've, has any angel come to any of those prisoners and told them walk this way? No. No, the people that tell them walk this way, they wouldn't call them angels, would they? <laughs> no, they wouldn't. But what a deal. They threw Peter and in, 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 in God sent him an angel. You must be pure of heart in order to be able to commune with God, be able to see God, to be able to perceive and discern God. That's just a few examples. The scripture is full of examples. But there are also impurity causes us not to see God, not to perceive God, not to hear the voice of God, not to hear the words of God. Impurity. We have a couple of examples I just want to give you real quick. How about Samson? Samson, one of the saddest verses in the Bible to me is when Samson says, uh, what the Philistines are upon you. And he said, I'll go out like I went all the other times. And the scripture says, but he did, he did not know that God was no longer with him. He did not know. Not only was he so impure of heart that he could not see God, he was so impure of God he didn't know that he couldn't see God. And that, my brothers and sisters, is where a lot of us can be if we don't draw near to God. Another one is Saul in the Old Testament. Saul, uh, King Saul wanted to see God. He couldn't see God, so he wanted to talk to Samuel so Samuel could see God and give him the insight. And then Samuel said, I'm not going to see you anymore. And then subsequently Samuel died, and he had no ability to see God, and he needed some, some uh, direction. So Saul couldn't go to Samuel anymore, and he knew he couldn't go to God, so he went to a witch. Okay, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad when you have to go to a witch beyond the world, up to a witch to try to get Samuel to try to get Samuel to tell you what God said to him. That is impurity of heart. So um, the final thing I want to say about is uh, seeing God is limited in the physical realm. All right? The purity of heart, and this is going to sound like it's going to contradict everything that I've been saying. We need to have a single focus, right? That's how we get pure hearts. Are you with me on that? Double-minded, impure hearts. All right? So we have to have a single focus, and then I'm going to say it's limited in its scope. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, it says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We can only see God only to an ability that our finite hearts can allow us. Because we're constantly, if we're in the world, but not of the world, we're constantly being defiled uh, through what we're hearing and picking up. Remember all those things that we talked about in the beginning? The, the bombardment of the internet and, the, and the, the billboards and people's language and everything. And the, just the whole culture. In this age, we are so um, uh, bombarded by evil, destructive things, things that people and, and society that hates God. And that is constantly coming into us. And we're constantly having to draw near to God through humility to be cleansed again, to be purified. And we're having to constantly confess our sin to God in order to be made righteous. He said, uh, confess your sins one to another. Confess your sins. And um, if, you, if you confess your sin, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to purify us from all unrighteousness in 1 first, first John chapter 1, if we confess our sin. So we constantly have to do that. So we see God, we perceive God, but there is still a limitation based on we keep bringing impurities in, and he has to keep 
purifying. We keep bringing him in, and he has to keep purifying. But it is limited now in the physical realm, but that promise goes throughout eternity, and that is the big promise, the promise that we will forever see God as he is. Again, in 1 Corinthians 13, then I will see face to face, I shall know fully, even as I am known. He says in 1 John chapter 3, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Why? Because we shall see him as he is. Amen. We shall see him as he is. Oswald Chambers made a comment, made a statement. He said, Spiritual truth is discernible only to a pure heart. Oh, I got it. You know what? I have a different uh, quote there. I had two quotes and I put one there. So let me read that one. <laughs> no, let me read this one first. You can't see it. Spiritual truth. Okay, that's a piece of the quote. Okay. I told you I'm not real technical. I got a piece of it here and the full thing there. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look on there. I'm going to look right in you, World Wide Web. <laughs> when a man's heart is right with God, the mysterious utterances of the Bible are spirit and life to him. Okay? Spiritual truth is discernible only to a pure heart, not to a keen intellect. It is not a question of profundity of intellect, but of purity of heart. Okay? We can be the deepest. That's, you know who was very deep and very intellectually keen was the Pharisees. Oh, they knew the law inside out. But it's not having a profound intellect. It is by having a deep purity of heart, spiritually attuned to our God. That's how we see God. Amen? All right. So, you know, this is, like I said, this is an age where we're bombarded, where we're inundated with impurities. How do we apply this to our everyday lives? How do we maintain purity in an impure age. So applying this, I, I, I just asked myself some questions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to dismiss myself from you. And I'm going to ask myself a few questions. But I am going to say that you can listen in. And if they apply to you, then you can ask yourself the same question. How about that? So Bobby, am I, are you, Bobby, am I drawing near to God? Am I drawing near to God? Am I reading and meditating on his word daily, day and night? Am I reading and feeding on his word? Am I spending time daily in my prayer closet? Am I praying daily? Am I confessing my sin and continually coming, drawing near to God by prayer? Prayer and fasting. Am I fasting sometimes? Am I obeying the Holy Spirit when he says what to do and when he says what not to do? When he says what to look at and what not to look at? When he says what to uh, partake in and what not to partake in? Am I listening to the Holy Spirit? Listen, I'm talking to me. You, you, you know, you, if you want to listen in, you're good. But ask yourself. Secondly, do I understand and do I engage in spiritual warfare? Am I engaging in spiritual warfare? In other words, do I resist the devil? As the scripture says, 
do I flee from youthful lusts, youthful passions? Am I doing that? You know, sometimes we get that backwards. We try to get scared and run from the devil and resist our, our own passions and our own lusts. We can't resist our lusts because where do they reside? In our hearts, right? And our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. So, am I drawing near to God? Am I engaging in spiritual warfare? Am I being cleansed? That's how we can apply that word today, is through drawing near to God and resisting the temptations that are in our lives, running from the youthful passions, resisting the devil, and drawing near to God. Amen? All right, so we're going to uh, come to the Lord's table and partake uh, in the table together. This is a table, we call it the table of purity today. It's a communion with our Lord. And uh, if, it, by the way, if you need, there are some packets, I think, in the back back there. If not, there's some out here. Uh, we don't pass it right now. Uh, we pick it up ourselves. So if you haven't gotten it already, you do not have to be a member of Bay Ridge Christian Church in order to partake. You just need to be a member of God's universal church. Uh, if, like we said earlier, if we believe in our heart that Jesus was raised from the dead and... Uh, that God raised him from the dead and that he is Lord over all and we've received him in our heart, then this table is for you. We invite you to partake. For what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread and when he had blessed it, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is, the, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after blessing it, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink from it, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you do this, uh, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For often as you eat this bread and drink this cup. We're going to take a prayer now. Ask the Lord's blessing on his table. Father, we're so aware of our impurity before you and how we allow the world to encroach in areas that should be reserved for you alone. Father, we repent of going our own way and humbly draw near to you as our true and sole source of purity. Father, wash us that we will be white as snow. And we thank you that according to your promise that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we're grateful to you for, you for your love. We're grateful for your love for us and unto us. Amen. Take the bread. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promise that you uttered so many centuries ago. We thank you that you have broken your bread, that you have broken your body, for us. Take and eat. Lord Jesus, we're grateful to you for the promises that you made. We thank you that the promise of blessed or blessed or the pure in heart, for they shall see God, is as real for us today as it was for those who heard it 
when they were physically present. We thank you that you remain perfect. We thank you that you lived a pure, spotless, and blameless life so that your sacrifice on the cross would be sufficient for our atonement, for our salvation, for our sanctification, ultimately for our glorification. Lord, we draw near to you as, our, as the one and only Savior, and we thank you for your unmerited love to us. Amen. Take and drink. Let's stand if you would. Holy Spirit of God, we are thankful that you are here. And Spirit, we are ready to follow your leading. We pray this morning that you would teach us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And that for the glory of God, we would be faithful witnesses of what Jesus has done for us all. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Spirit, that as we leave this place, we can go forth knowing that we have heard from the true God. We draw near to you as God in us the Holy Spirit of God. And we thank you that as you purify our hearts, we will truly see God. Amen. Now receive the benediction from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Brothers and sisters, draw near to the one who is able to purify our hearts. Go forth in his name and be blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.